Blog Talk Radio. afternoon, good evening, and good night to wherever you might be in the world as you tune in to Drive Through HR. This is Dwayne Lane in the captain's chair. Um, sitting in to host our Friday Week in Review host show, uh, where we talk about all the things that happened this week, all the things that are interesting to us, and all the things we think you might care about. Um, sitting with me today are a couple of our uh, my esteemed co-hosts, which is always very exciting. Um, so in the same area, but not in the same room, so we don't have echoes, is Crystal Miller-Lay sitting across the table. <laughs> if you want to say hello, now is a good time. Away. Yes. Yeah. Um, no. Hi, everybody. It's, it's great to be here. Glad you can join us on HR's longest running talk show. I'm going to say that. I think that's right. Well, until somebody proves otherwise, we'll take it. Uh, right also, on. sitting in with us today, uh, I believe, is our good friend, Michael Vandervoort. Hey, Mikey. Hey, Dwayne. Hi, Crystal. How are you? I just flew in here at the last second to join in for a bit. So, good. happy Friday. We're glad you're here. We're glad you're here. It's yeah, always a pleasure to speak to you. I always Speaking say, like, I, I'm in. guessing who's on the line because, you know, we don't have caller ID on our board. So, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> Sorry, Crystal. Go ahead. Speaking of... No, I was going to say, speaking of flying in, I flew today for the first time in, I don't know, I think 15 months. Um, that sounds a foul, right? Sounds right. It was yeah. a really interesting experience, and there's some HR things that I kind of came away with. So I, I, I'm looking forward to talking about that a little bit today, but we have the jobs report. Yep. And I didn't know if maybe that would be a, co- a topic of conversation for us today. Yeah, uh, I would love to talk about the jobs report. I think it's it's an interesting um, it's there's some interesting numbers in there that certainly give us a couple of good looks at like where things are heading right now. Uh, I also was on a plane for the first time. Um, since you brought it up, we we can we can talk about that a little bit. Uh, Michael, what's on your mind for this week? Uh, I sent a link to an article about Amazon installing ZenBoost uh, in their the, in their distribution the centers. So, yeah. yeah, so we can we can talk about how how Amazon's trying to help their people relax in a, in a busy workplace for a little bit. I there, there's probably not a lot to say there. I thought it was kind of humorous, but yeah, we can talk about that for a minute too. But the jobs report is pretty interesting. So for anybody who hasn't read it, let's let's I'll give you a quick a high level overview of this uh, the jobs report and some of the initial response I've seen to it. Um, so the uh, the U.S. economy the job report for April came out um, non farm payrolls grew by 266 thousand over the last month, um, which sounds like a fairly big number. Except the um, kind of the average estimate from economists was a million. So very far off the mark for that. Uh, And I don't know if that speaks to something about the economy or about economists who are making predictions. But um, it's four months in a row that we've had payroll increases, but it's the smallest one since September. Um, We uh, we also saw the uh, revised March's gains from 916,000 to 770,000. Um, so those got pulled down. Um, some other things that were interesting, uh, the forecast was for the unemployment rate to go from 6 to 5.8 in 
it actually went up to 6.1%. So we had an increase in the unemployment rate, but the U6 unemployment rate, unemployment rate, which includes uh, Americans marginally attached to the workforce or those working part-time, um, dropped from 109 to 9.9%. And the overall labor participation rate climbed from 615 to 61.7%. So we have more people who are in the workforce who are working, slightly more, but more. Um, the unemployment rate is dropping for the part-time jobs, but overall the employment rate did sneak up slightly. Um, so a lot of mixed signals in there. A, people are bad at forecasting. Um, B, it's growing, but not as fast as we'd like it to. And C, it seems to mostly be growing in the part-time workforce area. So, I think thoughts? it's really interesting when you contrast that against ADP's report. So a day earlier, ADP came out and shared that private employers had hired nearly a million um, new workers, 974,000 to be exact. So I think my thoughts when you, when you take the, the two together is that what we're seeing is productivity. And so the job support matters because it's, I mean, well, it matters for a whole lot of reasons, right? <laughs> but one of the main reasons that it matters is because it is really a, an indicator of our economic recovery. And so our economic strength, if we're not, you know, in the middle of a pandemic or towards the end of it, whatever you may think in terms of where we are. Um, and so the productivity, I think, is good. I think it will help with inflation, which is, you know, I'm not an economist, but from what I'm reading, that's, that's what we're being told. So, so I think that's a positive thing. I think as far as the myth for me, I look at it and go, yeah, that, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, we're still, we're still kind of missing the mark in terms of what employers um, learn or, or should have learned coming out of this, which is that people are rethinking um, – I'm sorry, y'all are killing me, whoever's typing. Um, people are rethinking really what um, their life is supposed to look like. We, like and, and we're not okay with going to work for $7.80 or whatever minimum wage is right now. And, and so that's got to change. And it's not changing fast enough with a lot of employers. And what we're seeing is workers are okay sitting it out until it does. Mike, what do you think? Uh, I think there's some of that stuff in play. I think minimum wage, federal minimum, minimum wage is actually still 7.25 an hour, unless you're in the test yeah. wage, and I think that's 2.17 or 2.19 an hour or whatever. It's super low, and it, it. I didn't think anybody could afford to hire somebody at minimum wage, but I just found out that my my niece, who was a high school student, had been working for the last year at minimum wage at an ice cream shop, which we talked a lot about last week. So, I was uh, it's she, not the same ice cream shop that we talked about with the it is not the same ice cream shop, yeah. but she she uh, she actually changed jobs and joined joined my company, Publix, uh, this week, and is making eleven fifty an hour, which is a huge increase from the the minimum wage ice cream scooping jobs. So, um, so it, which it doesn't directly answer your question, Crystal. I, I, I'm I'm kind of I'm perplexed about the jobs report and about why we can't hire people and yet there are there are more people unemployed in total now than there were before the pandemic started. I saw an article today that said, you know, there's still something like one point eight million women who haven't re entered the the job market due to child care mm -hmm. and other things. So I mean it's a factor. I think the the point you hit on Crystal, we had a guest on that, that called this out significantly yesterday is that um people have figured out that 
you know, I'm not making enough money and it's not worth it for me to go right. do that job right now. It, you know, mm-hmm. and they're, mm-hmm. they're, they understand the value of their labor having been essential workers in many cases, et cetera. And so they're kind of, you know, they're not willing to engage. I just, I, I don't know if this is a, a, like a, I guess the thing that I can't see clearly and, and we'll only know with time is, is this like really a change, right? Is this is going to stick or is this just a moment in time, you know, with the with the uh, unemployment, su- the supplemental unemployment, and the the, in, the uh, incentive checks and so forth, you know, that people have the luxury for a minute of kind of holding holding place, but eventually mm-hmm. it will change and everybody will go back to the the old the old style rat race that we were. And I, I I'm really curious about that, and I I don't I'm not brave enough, I guess, to make a call. I I think. I don't know what other forces are in place still, right? It's it's too hard to read the tea leaves. So it's, but it, it definitely is interesting and it's it's confusing. I mean, I, I we're spending a tremendous amount of time at Publix trying to recruit, um, where we've never had this problem in the past. We just you know hung out the shingle and people lined up and we hired them in and you know everything was good. And we're we're fighting the same battles everybody else is right now. So it's uh, it'll be interesting to see where we land. And I think uh, I saw something in the jobs reporter from or from an economist who was talking about the jobs report, and he said that the current labor shortage will start to diminish over the next couple of months and probably will be up behind us by fourth quarter. And I'm not sure I believe that. So I guess we'll see. Yeah. Um, I think I think maybe we should toss it to Dwayne so he can, he can give his, his two cents. What are you thinking, Dwayne? So, you know, one of the things that when you talk about um, the, the extra unemployment benefits and people not returning to the workforce, um, it might be a sea change, right? Because people have been, a lot of people have been out of work long enough, um, or at least out of work in their industry long enough. They've either moved to other things or they've found ways to get by. And if that means, you know, being a driver in a gig economy company or doing freelance work or whatever, um, you know, it's, it's, it's been a pretty big change, and I've seen more and more, I think I'm not alone, you know, pictures of restaurants that are closed with signs that say, like, we don't have staff. Uh, nobody <laughs> wants to work for, you know, for, for what we would consider, uh, you know, under a living wage. Um, someone posted a picture of their paycheck um, for a server who worked 70 hours, and their paycheck was, like, under $10. Because they were being paid tip wage, which was, you know, two twenty, two thirty an hour, and then after taxes and everything, because they get taxed on the tips they are expected to get. Um, like they end up making almost no money for all those hours. And people are at the point now, having been without for a while, of saying, you know what? No, no more. Like, not doing that. Um, which, you know, is a is a pretty big deal. And it's it, it kind of makes me think about, you know, when, when labor unions were strong, like that would be the, the thing is like, no, no more. Like we have to right. treat labor fairly. We have to do, you know, the right things by them. And it's not a, a union that's doing it now, but instead it's, it's almost like a, like an, like an invisible union, right? You've got people who on message boards, on Reddit, on Facebook groups are saying, Hey, like, we're not going to go back to work for this, you know? kitchen workers are saying we are not going back to work with great hours and insane amount of pressure for eight bucks an hour. Like we're going to hold out for 15 because, you know, that, that seems more fair. Um, it's a, it's a very interesting time in the labor market to kind of watch those things happen. 
Mm-hmm. And we are seeing companies, and it's not universal, you know, but you do see companies, especially like health, um, not healthcare, sorry, fast food companies, uh, Chipotle or McDonald's for their corp- corporate stores only, which are a small percentage of their overall operation since the vast majority are franchised, you know, they're, they're increasing their wages. And, it, you know, it's a lot of retailers, Target, Walmart, Costco, and others are raising their hourly rates. Um, but it, And we, we talked about wage compression and some stuff last week. But, you know, that's, it's happening in bits and pieces and dribs and drabs, but it's not, it's not universal. I saw today um, there's Dunkin' Donuts on the main intersection that I drive past leaving the neighborhood on my way to work. And the sign must have gone up yesterday because I hadn't noticed it before. And Dunkin' Donuts, and today's also uh, National Donut Day, I guess. I didn't get mine yet, but um, oh. I need, need to stop by. But, yeah, if, you, if, you're, if you're vaccinated and you go to Dunkin' Donuts or Krispy Kreme, you get a free donut drop between. So don't miss that deal. Um, anyway, um, so, sign, sign at Dunkin' Donuts was, you know, now hiring starting 10 bucks an hour. And I was like, huh. That won't. I mean, ten bucks isn't even yeah. really. That, I mean, that's kind of the going rate now. It's, I mean, that's maybe less than McDonald's. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know about mm-hmm. the quality of the job, but yeah, it's. I mean, it's. So even there, it's. You know, it's, it's for them. Apparently, it was an increase because they're advertising it. But it's. I don't think it's enough to really draw in a lot of candidates. You know, and just. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you're, to your point, really interesting time, and you know, we're we're adjusting, but but employers are always conservative, and they don't want to they don't want to go all in, when, especially when I think yeah. they're probably equally perplexed as we are. Is it really that perplexing, though? I mean, like. If we break it down, if we break it down, we've been given a lot of clues, right? And mm-hmm. and so, you know, part of it is as simple as make sure it's safe, right? And once we get past the safety piece, you know, or maybe simultaneous to the safety piece, make sure I can afford to do my job mm-hmm. and still live. Like, and then from there, it's, I don't want my life to suck. You know, like I, I'm oversimplifying the phrasing here, but, but the reality of it is it really boils down to, you know, I want to have a life that I can be comfortable in. And when we have all of these conversations going about mental health and well-being and overall, like, just quality of life, I think one of the things we've learned coming out of this pandemic is that if especially in America, we have a huge gap between the expectations of work and the expectations of a quality life for a Mm -hmm. very large population of our workers. And they're saying enough. So how do we fix it? Well, we hire enough people to work without making our workers work 65 to 70 hours a week. We learn how to schedule people in such a way that we can offer them both shift stability without having to do 15-hour days, and we pay them a fair and ethical wage for the work that they do. It's not rocket science. It's, it's hard to put together, I guess, but we know what we need to do. I don't think it's a matter of employers being perplexed. I think it's a matter of employers deciding whether or not it's fiscally worth it to them to implement. Well, so first of all, congratulations on scaling Mount Maslow. I was impressed. You went up there fast. I I, want to be safe. I want to get paid. I want to be self-actualized. And and if not, I'm staying home. Um, Which maybe maybe it is as simple as that, Crystal. I'm not sure. Um, I I think from an employer, what I was thinking about as you said it is, I think the pay question for employers is 
you know, they don't know exactly what to believe just yet. And they, it's hard to take away once you've given it. Um, and so I think like most corporations, we, you know, we're going to sit and look for a while until we believe that there's no other choice or we're going to follow the leaders or, or whatever, whatever, you know, whatever, you know, kind of rationale they need to kind of sit in place for a while and just watch. Um, but I, I, yeah, I do think, I do think your points are, uh, are spot on as, in terms of kind of where people are at in this moment. Uh, it, it just the, comp the employers aren't following along as fast as maybe they need to. So yeah, what, I, what's the downstream like end game here? Like, do we just, do we just wait? Like on the one hand for businesses, like what we've seen and we've had some discussions about this is you can't, if you're not attracting people and then you bump the wage up, you start getting flooded with resumes, right? So the, okay. So at the low end of the market, low end on pay scale, I mean, um, like there are people willing to work. They're just holding out for a decent wage and that's mm -hmm. not unfair. Like that's what the free market is all about is, yep. you know, what will people pay and what will people accept? On the on the employee side or the candidate side, how long do you hold out? You know, yes, the additional unemployment benefits are for sure part of this system. But do we want to have a system where we take those away so then people have to settle for eight bucks an hour, like not you know just poverty wages? Is that is that what we're aiming well, for? I mean, we're still down ten million jobs since the start of the pandemic, or nine point eight, I think it is. So, yeah, and I like, where does it go? Employers, I would caution employers and to the degree that HR is able to make those decisions, HR executives, um, with the idea that, oh, we can just hold out until the unemployment benefits leave. Because let's break it down. You're talking about an additional $300 a week. And, yes, they're talking about putting in some things to prove up that you're really actively trying to find a job, et cetera. But that system's fairly easy to game. And so when you're really talking about $1,200, a month, the gig economy can make that up for a lot of these workers. Actually, I guess all of these workers because it's still just $300 a week. So, you know, they can go to Uber Eats and Shipped and wherever else, Fiverr, Upwork, TaskRabbit. There's a bunch of different places that you can make money to replace that $300 a week and still feel like you have some more control over your long-term career prospects. So, so I don't think the answer is as simple as let's hold out for the unemployment benefits to drop. Yeah, we have this weird thing going on too, where, um, so like with vaccines, right? Some some states are, you know, West Virginia is giving away guns, uh, Ohio is giving away a million dollar drawing. I mean, we're we're incenting people to get vaccinated, right? Um, you know, and I don't, I don't know how those plans are working. I mean, California has a whole, like, $115 million budget devoted to some sort of incentive related to incenting vaccines, you know. And, and then now we're talking about, you know, we're cutting the three – Republican governors primarily cutting the $300 um, federal subsidy for unemployment, you know, cutting that off so that with the goal of putting people back to work, they're talking about using some of those funds to replace uh, – replace the $300 a week payment with a bonus for people who accept the job. So we're, you know, they're talking about trying to incent people to return to work as well. And I don't know exactly where I'm going with that, but there's this weird moment where like, 
everybody's just, you know, they want more. They want, you know, I, I, I don't want to wear a mask. I, I, I'm not going to get vaccinated because whatever the, whatever the rationale is. Oh, maybe I will if somebody gives me a million dollars, shot at a million dollars. We're just, we're, we're locked into some weird kind of paradigm where people are not behaving uh, typically, <laughs> I guess, is what it strikes me. You know, we, 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 we need to be incented to do things that we should do for our own good. We need to be incented to take jobs that, you know, to Dwayne's point, there are lots of people out of work. We should be psychologically, you would think people should be going back to work, but they're not. And it just, I don't know, I, I, I'm not questioning. I'm just, you know, there's just a lot of weird trends. And I think these will be moments, not, not, change, sea change, as you said, Dwayne. I don't think mm-hmm. all this stuff will stick. Some of it might. The recognition of the work, the value of work and that kind of thing probably is probably is a sea change. But I, some of these other things, I think, are just, you know, people holding holding in place while they can for mm-hmm. a while. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Do no, you I think, think that... right in terms of holding place. I just, I, I think that, <laughs> I think that as, as typical, you know, you've got um, a sector of the uh, leadership of work that thinks, oh, this will be a, a short-term problem, and and you've got workers that are saying, like, we figured out how to make it this far. We can continue to figure it out because our mm-hmm. life is worth more than what you think it is. Mm-hmm. And how sad is that? Like, that's an actual conversation that I had today. I'm kind of segueing over to the plain thing. So, Dwayne, if you want to to close out the jobs report, by all means, do. <laughs> So, so I'm just going to throw one question, um, and then we'll move on. And, and I don't mean for this to take up the rest of the show because I think it could. But my question is, do you think that, you know, going to the to Mike T. Clement, your points about, you know, people holding out and, and the vaccinations and I don't want to wear a mask and so on and so forth, do you think that any of this is driven by the highly politicized nature of basically everything in our society? <laughs> Let's just quick yes or no. Uh, yeah, so probably. Yeah, so yeah, probably. I'm like crystal, yeah, probably. I don't know exactly why or how, but it seems as if that's the root the root cause of everything. So yeah, I, my short answer yeah. is yes. <laughs> okay, I, I'm going to say yes as well. So I'm glad we all agree. Yeah, yeah, I think. <laughs> Sorry, the moment that Michael told me that told us that uh, which state was giving away guns? West Virginia. Yeah, West, West Virginia. Virginia. That's the most yeah. America with the M U R thing that I have ever yeah. heard. But <laughs> I know it boggles my mind, but it might actually work in West Virginia, right? Hey, so. I mean, and, let's let's okay. So now we're going to touch into the politicized part. Let's be honest. The people who are most likely to come out for free guns are likely to be more conservative and are likely to be the people who have resisted getting a vaccine. That's not mm-hmm. a judgment call. That's not saying wrong or indifferent. Just saying, like, the Venn diagram there looks kind of like a circle. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just, it's the same concept around, like, you know, the, the whole thing where Michael put around you know, needing to be rewarded. I don't know if it's so much that we need to be as we've been conditioned that if we continue to act in a petulant manner, someone will come and appease us. Well, I am just saying I am upset that I have not, I'm just upset that I haven't yet gotten my participation trophy because as a child, I was programmed to get one of those for anything. 
So, oh, really? What's You're up? older than What's me. Up? I don't think that's true. I don't um, think you were. You're, you're thinking about really my generation and younger. We are in different generations. That does not really work. I don't, so. I don't think that's true. We're both in our 40s. It's okay. All right. Let's move on. <laughs> now that we've closed this out, let's move on to the discussion about the Amazon suicide closet. No, sorry. The spare closet. Wait, no. Mobile okay. Zen closet. No, sir. What are I we calling it? This. I veto this. And it's oh, hang on. Let me mute, let me mute your line. Hang on. <laughs> no, I said I was going to talk about the plane thing, and I was giving you the, op- the opportunity oh. to finish out the thing. Can we move to that? And then it's real short. Um, okay, let's do your short plane thing. Okay, it, it plays into what we've been discussing. So flying today for the first time was really interesting um, in that there were sort of some changes with the, the, um, the flight attendants um, and, and really some of the conversations there. And we had this conversation um, – where it was basically just like the way that people are behaving to Michael's point um, is so atrociously different than what it was pre pandemic. And there's no real explanation for it, but like they were talking about the things that people were doing to them and how hazardous their job has become. And of course there's no extra compensation for that. Right. It's just now like part of their job that they have to go to work in and do things Mm -hmm. like, you know, um, brave off, suitcases being thrown at them and, and being hit and like somebody had a drink thrown on them they just don't feel very valued um, because they've simultaneously been told like you're very replaceable and that's a that's an interesting thing right like so on the one hand we're saying we can't get enough to go to work well on the other hand people that are having to take on additional hazards to their job perceived are real are being told, like, you're super productized and replaceable. How do those things dive? That's a really good question. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm going to go ahead and sprinkle in the, the politicized nature of all of this stuff. The... Um, <laughs> I, want to, I don't want to say Karen culture, but I'm going to say Karen culture um, that we've seen with people being entitled and feeling like, you know, they're being infringed on. Um, I also flew this week the first time in a long time. And it's amazing how different the gate announcements are. And you can tell, like, the team at the airport has had enough. And the woman who was on the horn gave us about five minutes of, I don't make these rules this is what you need to do. This is what I cannot do. Like, please don't yell at me. I'm the only one doing this. And I mean, I've always found it interesting when people get upset at the folks working the desk at an airport because they're not making a lot of decisions. Um, but you know, it's one of those, I'm upset and you're in front of me. So you're going to, you're going to be the one who gets the brunt of it. Um, but yeah, there's, there is very much like, it feels like, the people who are doing those jobs who are on the front lines have gone from essential workers to, you know, unskilled labor real fast. So it's like, we're trying to decide if we should value them or not, which I think is really strange because they're still humans at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Michael, any thoughts on it? He's flown recently too. Yeah. So I actually have been flying, not like normal, but more, more so than the average person really throughout the duration of the, um, the, the pandemic, I, I flew 25,000 miles or so last year, 
um, because I had, you know, between work and then also some family issues that made me take several trips that were unplanned. Um, so when the planes were mostly empty, uh, you know, the biggest early on in the pandemic, when when the people who were flying were the people flying by necessity or business travelers that had no choice or whatever, you know, the hardest part I think was first of all you didn't get the services that you're used to, especially if you travel, you know, in, with any kind of upgrade, no drinks, no food, no you know none of that stuff, a little plastic bag with a bottle of water and some crackers in it, and then constant reminders to put up your mask because people were. Not, I don't think intentionally flouting the rule, but you know, you take it down or whatever, and forget to put it back up. So, but it was—it seemed polite. Like, and I'm, so I'm talking like in 2020, from maybe May through like October or so, and then then as I, I, the, and I haven't flown as much since. But the times I have since then, it's been people. To your point, I mean, people are testy. They're yelling at each other. They're carrying on. Um, you know, you see all these news stories. Um, I haven't seen anything that extreme. But they're, they're, it's, it's, I don't know if people just hit like a point where they're like, I'm fed up with this, um, you know, everything. I'm tired of being locked in my house. I'm tired of wearing masks. And, and it's coming out. I, 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 there may just be a saturation point for people that can, they can only tolerate so much control versus what they were used to or what their expectations are. Um, but, but actually, um, I haven't flown since they reinstated the middle seats at Delta. Um, but as far as I was concerned during the during travel period, um, flying was pretty good. You, you, you were guaranteed an empty seat next to you in any row you sat in. Um, you know, you generally got where you were going without a lot of problems. And, and I didn't experience a bunch of a bunch of issues um, during the time. So I guess I was lucky, maybe. Well, I mean, that's a good thing. And I wouldn't say that we really, I, I mean, at least on my flight, we didn't really experience a bunch of, a bunch of issues. It was um, actually really calm. Um, very different announcements than uh, what Dwayne's talking about. <laughs> in fact, because it was super early in the morning, you know, ours really looks like, okay, y'all, time to wake up, time to get in line, let's go. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, very polite, uh, but but was kind of reminding us to wake up. And there was a lot of like, we're going to close the gate soon. You specific people, please come to this gate and get on your plane. So, um but it was it was interesting just to listen to the workers, um, you know, both at the gate and on the plane, talk about what their working reality looks like now, and it is really different. And and there is no additional compensation for that that at least not that we're aware of. There's no additional recognition for that. And to Dwayne's point, you know, they're not being treated as well. And so would we go back to this concept of well-being? And I'm going to go back to dignity at work. I do think employers have a responsibility, whether it's an airline or a service um, company or any company, to to check in and look at what that that experiential culture looks like on on the daily for your for your employment base, and and then start putting in the plans to make necessary changes. And that might be as simple as upping your EAP benefits or publicizing again to your employee base what your employee assistance benefits are. Do you have counseling? Do you have uh, wellness or work type benefits that they could be tapping into? Um, So I was just about to ask Michael about his thing, but I think he's got to jump. I do. Uh, Yeah, I just found out I've got a thing. So unfortunately, yeah, we'll have to leave the Amazon thing for next week or whatever, but I got to go. Then box next week. Thanks. Talk to you next week. Bye. All right. Thanks, Michael. Bye, Michael.
So I was I was very excited to talk about the despair closet. So I am looking forward to next week's show oh. already. Um, well, but it's, it's it's interesting stuff. It is. So is there anything else that you want to cover before we call it a week on Drive Through HR? Uh, I'm just gonna say this. I, I put this on Twitter, um, and I it you know we we sometimes you know shout out to some of our friends and colleagues and people who are doing important things, um, and I think it's important that we recognize you know people in our space. But I put this on Twitter, and I just want to say it here: every time a jobs report comes out, and Eric Weingartner is not on Twitter dissecting it, like it makes me miss him a little more. Um, that's all. I'm just gonna say that. So come back, <laughs> well, come back, big that, love. We miss you. That, <laughs> I think that's sweet and understandable. Um, following on with uh, what we've been doing for a couple of weeks, I'd like to recognize Dina Madero, who uh, has taken a new job with SurveyMonkey. Congratulations, mm-hmm. Dina. She will be running employer brand there. And um, that, I think that's pretty fantastic. It's a great company. She had a good run at Blizzard. Um, I'm excited to see what she does uh, at SurveyMonkey. Um, we also have Debbie Pilato, who um, has moved from Phillips over to CBRE. So, you know, that's pretty fantastic as well. I know CBRE has been on the hunt for the right person to run and, um, and lead their global talent marketing. So it'll be great to see what she does. So if you know Dina or Debbie, give them a shout out and a congratulations. Also, if you want to know more about people that are making moves, um, go to recruitingnewsnetwork.com and you can see they've got a nice little list of who's gone where. Exciting stuff. Congratulations to them. Um, and congratulations to all of those who have new roles that we don't know anything about yet because sometimes they're top secret. Um, so if you're in one of those, congratulations. Drop us a note. We'd love to give you a shout out. If you're on the prowl, feel free to drop that to our, uh, our Twitter handle as well. So if you're in a position where you can let people know you're looking, uh, hey, anything we can do to connect people and drive down that, uh, that now slightly inflated 6.1% unemployment rate, we would love to help solve some of those problems. So Absolutely. Okay. Well, well it's been a great week. A radio, right? Yep, I think so too. It's been a lot of fun. It's been a great week. Thanks for, uh, for, uh, for joining Um for those of you who are listening, um, always fun to talk to the team. Always fun to talk to all of you. Uh, we're grateful for you. We like talking to you, and we love to talk to you more. So hit us up on the Twitters. Uh, hit us up on the Facebooks, all the different places you can find drive through, And uh, we'd love to chat a little more. So, yep, speaking Crystal, of which, next week. Oh. Yeah. Speaking of which, next week say. we have Kathy Misseldine on drive through on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. You won't want to miss that because she is talking about what it looks like from an HR perspective to get people back to work. So it should be a great show. I'm looking forward to it. And um, for everybody out there, have a great weekend. We'll see you next week on the drive here. You bet. Cheers, everybody. Take care.